Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Joseph and I, guys, were talking on Monday via text. And he sent me a text and he was quite upset when he wrote, quote, the world is going down. They just burned down a church yesterday, unquote. And of course, I got this text. I'm like, I asked where? And he said, Washington, D.C. And I realized at that point that whatever was happening in the world was escalating fast. And we finished our text and I said, Joseph, Jesus told us that this would happen, in which Jesus replied, yes, he did. And as we finished our text, it kind of got me thinking. I started to feel the impression of the Lord on my heart. I started to think, God, what? I know I was going to Genesis, and he started, and and I started to think, what in the world is going on? What in the world is going on? Well, Jesus, in speaking to his disciples, gave us, if you will, a foreshadow of what's to come before he returns. Now, I've stood up behind this pulpit for many months on a Wednesday night, and I looked out and I said, Jesus is coming back soon. We need to be ready. We need to be ready. And everybody says, amen. And we had, you know, we had the folks here. We had people coming in. It was amazing. And I kept saying, Jesus is coming back. Well, Jesus in Matthew 24 gives us a foreshadow before he returns. And if you're taking notes, it was the scholar Schofield who calls it a double interpretation. A double interpretation. Oh, that intrigued me. I was like, what? What does he mean? Okay. Well, other people, as I looked up, they said, well, Matthew 24 is not only a double interpretation, but it's a dual prophecy in signs for the church. It's a dual prophecy. And so, of course, now I'm going, wow, this is, this is crazy. Now, let me do this, okay, guys? Again, I'm going to throw a lot at you, so uh, be ready, okay? Um, if you have to go to the restroom while you're at home, don't miss out. Hold on to it because this is, you can't miss anything, okay? No, I'm kidding. You, 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 you can go. But listen, listen, listen. Let me give you the context, Okay, let me give you the context, and then let me give you the second interpretation. But what I want to do is I want to apply these verses to our lives and see where you and I can gain some understanding of the text. Okay? You go, okay, what's going on, Ben? What in the world is going on? Well, in chapter 24, along with Luke 21, they answer what we would call a twofold question. A twofold question. Now, here are the questions being asked to Jesus as they walk by the temple to the Mount of Olives. Okay? I want to set the scene. I, want to, I just want you to understand. You, Jesus is walking, and they're coming by, and there's, a, there's the temple and the buildings, and they're going to go down the Kidron Valley, over the Kidron Valley to the Mount of Olives. Now, here's the question, okay? One of the questions the disciples asked, which is a very interesting question, it says, when will these things be? Everybody look at me say things. Okay, very important. When will these things be? And I'll show you in context in just a minute. And the second question is actually, it looks like a two-part question, but it's really one. They said, when will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Okay, so we have two, it's a two-folded questions. 
Now, again, I've told you this earlier, I've entitled the message, What in the World is Going On? And the reason I entitled that is because I said, man, Lord, we've got to, we, we've got to seek your word and discover the current events, if they mean anything, to the soon return of Jesus for his church. This is so important. But in order to do that, we must get full context of what's being asked and what the answers are. Beverly, you know this. You know that if we take scripture out of context, we make it a pretext, and then we can make it say anything you want. Well, I have to stand before Almighty God, and I have to give you the proper context. Now, the application we can pull, and we can put them in our hearts, and we can walk in them so that we can grow as believers, but the context has always got to be the context. You go, okay, so help me out, Ben. What's going on here? Okay, keep this in mind, jot this down, Matthew's gospel was written to the Jewish people. We know that. It has a Jewish overtone, it is written to the Jewish people, and so what is taught here in the book of Matthew, guys, would speak volumes to the Jewish mind. That's why we have to study the Bible. That's why we have to pull things out. That's why we have to do word searches. That's why we have to look at what the text means. Because again, it was written, and if you were Jewish, you would understand a lot of these things. Well, we're Gentiles. Okay, okay. So, check this out. What happens, okay? Jesus dies on the cross for our sins. Can I get an amen? Okay, thank you, Lord. He resurrects And 40 days later, he ascends to heaven. Okay? The disciples are like, whoa, where did he go? And he went up to heaven. 50 days after the resurrection, it's known as Pentecost. Okay? And that's when, after the end, he sends the Holy Spirit to us. Now, he told his disciples, hey, hey, listen, it's it's a good thing that I got to go away. Because if I don't go away, I can't send you the helper, the Holy Spirit. I've got to go. Now I'm going, no, Jesus, don't go, please. But he's going to send, so the Holy Spirit lives in all of us. That's 50. It's, we just celebrated Pentecost Sunday. When the Holy Spirit is given is when the church, guys, right? That's what began what is called the church age. Okay, from the moment the Holy Spirit was given, we have now begun the church age. You guys with me? Church age. Okay, I want you you to say that, okay? We are in the church age right now. What time period are we in, Alex? The church age, okay? So I I want to make this clear so you understand, okay? When the Holy Spirit was given, boom, that started the church age. You go, okay, I'm with you, Ben. You said that. Now... What are we doing in the church age? Well, let me give you a side note, okay? We're waiting for the last Gentile to get saved so that Jesus can come back. Go, wait a minute. Where is that found? If you're taking note, it's found in Romans chapter 11, verse 25. As Paul writes to the Romans, he says this, For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of the mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. You you see what he said? 
He said, right now, Israel, the Jewish people, are blind to their Meshach, their Messiah, because the Holy Spirit is on the Gentiles until that last Gentile says yes to Jesus. That's the church age. That's why there are times when you go, hey, listen, if you're watching online or, or you're in a church and God's been speaking to your heart, you could be the last Gentile to get saved. And then we'll be ready to go home. We'll be ready to go home. I don't know about you. I don't know about you, Becky, but I'm homesick. I'm not sure what my home's going to be like because I've read it in Scripture. And I can quote, there's going to be streets of gold. Yeah. There's not going to be any crying. There's not going to be any sickness. But I'm sure it's way more than that. I'm sure it's going to be glorious. Not only do I get to see my loved ones, not only do I get to see my mom and my dad and people that, that I knew, grandpas and grandmas and cousins, but I get to see the Lord Jesus. And I'm telling you right now, heaven is not heaven without Jesus. And that's why he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Listen, I love family. You love family, Joe? We love family. but We love Jesus. Jesus is the only reason that we're here, the only breath in our lungs. Jesus. So we're waiting for that last Gentile to get saved. What's going to happen? Well, we know, again, think about it. So once the fullness of the Gentiles come in, you guys ready? What happens? The rapture of the church spoken about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 will happen. Okay, the Holy Spirit at that point will be taken off the Gentiles and put on the Jewish nation. Okay, Gentiles, church age, boom, on to the Jewish nation, right? And this is going to be for seven years. Okay, this is known as the tribulation. Seven years, but the Holy Spirit is going to be leading people. We got, we can't go into, we don't have time to go into it, but that's where we have 144,000 Jewish Billy Grahams evangelizing the world, and the Jewish people will see, oh my goodness, Jesus was the Meshach. He was the anointed one. He was the Messiah. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And they're going to come to faith. Pastor Ben, I have a question. What's your question? Will, the, will, will any of the Gentiles be saved, like, I mean, in the United States and all over the world? I believe so. Although the primary function and ministry of the Holy Spirit is now going to be on the Jews, I know that there will be people that still get saved. Well, how do you know that? Because there's Jewish people that are getting saved right now. You go, oh. So the first three and a half years, you guys with me? First three and a half years is known as the tribulation. The last three and a half years is known as the Great Tribulation. Okay? It's going to go from bad to worse. We're not here, though. Beverly, we're not here. We're in heaven at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Okay? This is where we are. Now, look at your Bibles for a second, guys. I want you to look at Matthew 24, verse 15. Okay? You go, why? Because... Here, Matthew writes, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, whoever 
reads, let him understand, and then he's going to go on, and he's going to talk about this. Now, what's he saying? This happens right here in the middle of Daniel's 70th week. The middle of Daniel's 70th week is the seven-year tribulation, so three and a half years. And you go, Ben, okay, now you said a lot of crazy stuff. What is, what is the abomination of desolation? Well, remember, in verse 15, draw a line in your Bible. You can make a note. It is known as a dual prophecy, a dual prophecy. Why? Because it already happened with a fellow by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes. Antiochus Epiphanes, about 175 before Jesus came, before Christ, okay, he went into the holy place. He offers what he calls an abominable desolation, okay? He claims to be God, and then he just, I mean, he just does incredible, ugly, I mean, all of this stuff. In the notes that I read, it said his armed forces rise up to desecrate the temple fortress and will abolish the daily sacrifice. And then they will set up the abomination that causes desolation. Daniel prophesied, saw that. Antiochus Epiphanes does this, but yet there is somebody else that's going to do this. Joe, do you know who that is? That is the Antichrist. In the middle of the tribulation in three and a half years, that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. Whoa, man, all this is sort of so so Matthew 14 makes sense, right? Because it's one of the signs of the end. When the Antichrist sets up the abomination of the desolation in the holy place, and then he's going to command people to worship it. Now, y'all are looking at me like, Ben, nobody's gonna you can't make people do something that they don't want to. You can't make people do something they don't want. You cannot make somebody worship. You can't command somebody to worship. Can you? I think about four or five months ago, Pastor Self, I would argue with, no, we can't do that. But seeing how our country has been moved, I'm thinking fear is a giant motivator. But what, what's going on? that in our day and age, that all of a sudden, here we are in June, and we're having, we're having protesting, and we're trying to open up, and, and we're kind of going, here's what we're going. We're going, wait a minute, maybe, maybe it's not, huh. Well, maybe, maybe we didn't have all the data. What's going on? I'm, okay. Let's get back to normal. Let's get back to, and, and, and here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, Okay. The Antichrist, in the middle of the tribulation, is going to command people to worship. Okay, so we got this virus. How about a vaccine? How about a mark? How about a how about a how about a, 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 a ID chip? How about this? Guess what's happening? The Christians are standing up and saying, "No way, not going to do it." Not going to do it. The Christians are standing up and says, let's get back to work. The Christians are standing up and going, okay, I need my church family. The Christians are, oh, everybody's doing that. You, you with me? So what needs to leave so that we can pave a way for the Antichrist? The Christians. The Christians. 
I know there are people who go, I don't believe in the rapture. I do. I know that the Christians have to be out of the way so, that, so, so it paves the way for the lawless one to come. Three and a half years, the abomination of desolation. He's going to freak Israel out. Now, when is this going to happen, Joe? In the tribulation period, okay? Are you going to be here? No, sir. We're gone, okay? So Joe's got it. Becky, you got it? Okay, okay. You all watching on Facebook, you got it? Okay. So the, the beauty of Facebook and podcast, Mel, is that you can stop and go back and listen again. So that's good. That's good, okay? I'm going to try to slow down. Now, the one thing we need to remember is that Jesus is talking to his disciples, we have to remember that, okay? And there are times when we want to step into Scripture and say, oh, he's talking to me when he's really not talking to me. He's talking to his disciples. Everybody got that, okay? You go, okay, okay, I want to make that clear. They ask him questions, and he speaks to them. And our takeaway is that the very same things that are going to happen to the Jews from about 30 A.D. to 70 A.D., are going to be the very same things that we see at the very close return of Jesus to his church. So Jesus is looking at his disciples. He's going to tell them, look, these are the things that are going to happen. Matthew's talking to who, Joe? The Jewish people, Jewish mindset. Okay. But we can take away and go, oh, it's a, it's a double interpretation. So he's speaking to us as well. We're not in the text, right? We're not Jewish. He's speaking to, that's context. But the application is we can go, oh. And what it should do, here's what prophecy should do. It should get our hearts stirred up for the love of Jesus because we know we're going home soon. This is what prophecy should do. This is what prophecy should do. So the purpose of teaching is to give you perspective and hope that we have a God that loves us and cares for us and even warns us about the things that are happening in the world today. He loves us. What in the world is going on? Well, Crystal Lewis, guys, once sang, people get ready. Jesus is coming. Soon we'll be going home. People get ready. Jesus is coming to take from the world his own. That's what Crystal Lewis. And I love, I love that Paul does give us some hope with this event. You go, how so? Well, if you're taking note, we've studied this a few, a few months ago, but it's 1 Corinthians 15, 52. Paul writes, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound that the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. In the twinkling of an eye, half a blink, half a blink. So Brother Joe goes out to mow his lawn on a beautiful Saturday morning. Well, maybe not Saturday because he's over clean. But he goes out to mow his lawn and in a half a blink, he hears the trumpet. We're out of here. Boom. Well, what does Paul say? Well, he gives us some hope. And he goes, what do you mean? He says, but I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren. You guys know this, 1 Thessalonians 4.13. I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, those who have died, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. I want hope. 
How, Paul? He says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who asleep. For the Lord himself will descend with the, with, descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. Nathalie asked me the other day, what does that voice sound like? What, what, what is a voice? I don't know. I know that when he spoke to Lazarus, he said, Lazarus, come forth, right? It was a, it was authoritative voice, but he's going to come with the, with the trumpet and the voice of the archangel. You guys with me? And the trumpet of God, and he says, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Okay? Our loved ones who have passed are in heaven right now are going to come back and be changed in an instant and come out of the graves. If we're going to be gone in half a blink, it's probably, I mean, Jesus, I mean, I don't, this is going to be incredibly fast. But the dead, I don't think we're going to be like, right and go, wow, look at that graveyard. That's just really trippy before we go. I don't think that's going to happen. Okay? For the Lord himself will descend, right? And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Now, that's the part I love. Because, listen, I don't know about you, but when I get home, I don't want to go out anymore. When I get home, I'm going to stay. I don't want to come back to earth. I don't want to be all of this other. I, listen, I'm ready to be home. I'm going to worship with the Lord. I'm going to be in heaven. And so, now, therefore, comfort one another with these words. And I started to think about comfort, right? Because if this is a message of hope and comfort, I want to know how do I find hope and comfort in these words? Well, first and foremost, I realize that this is the joy and gladness, listen to me, over death through Christ's death. This is what, let me just put it in. I am super stoked that even if I die, I'm not really going to die. I am excited that, listen, even if I die, I'm going to resurrect again. So I don't know about you, but, if, but if, if you ever hear that Ben Martinez died, don't believe it. Don't believe it because I'm just going to be away for a while and then I'm going to come back and get my glorified body and then be with him. This is, what, this is the joy and gladness. This is the joy and gladness. What other hope? What other hope, sister? Our eventual resurrection through Christ's resurrection. That's a guarantee. That's a guarantee. Listen, what they do with their soul body self, they can do whatever they want to do when I leave it. They can put it in the ground because I know I'm coming back with a better one. I'm going to be changed. I'm going to be changed. This is going to be super cool because Christ promised through his resurrection. He was the first fruit. He was the first fruit. He was the first fruit of the resurrection. He's the one who came back from that and stayed that way. I get to go. I get to do that. That's a good place for an amen. amen. That's a good place for a hallelujah right there because it's like, I get to be there. And you know where us comfort? You know where the comfort is? Our eternal reunion when Jesus returns. Our eternal reunion. Wow. It was Charles Seat who once wrote, and I quote, With Christ in your life, you have an endless hope. But without Christ, you will have a hopeless end. Which of these will you have? An endless hope or a hopeless end? End quote. I thought that was pretty good. That was pretty good. So what happens 
before we get home. What happens? Okay, because so I've explained the rapture. Y'all know, you know the church age. Okay, so what's happening right now? Well, that's where we're going to go. And let's read, guys, verses 1 through 14, and then we'll come back and we'll unpack it, okay? Matthew 24, picking it up in verse 1, Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when these things will be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of your age of the age. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows, and they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and betray one another and hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved." And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Your attention, please. This is what Jesus said. What in the world is going on? Okay. We start off with a twofold question. Now, I know it seems like three, but let's take a deeper look. The question is, Jesus, they ask him, right? When will these, look at me, guys, things be? Very, very important. Why? Because the disciples and Jesus walk across the temple, right? And we notice that he says, look at the plural, the buildings. Not just one building. It wasn't just the temple. There were buildings all around it. Okay? Very, very important, right? It's been said that the gold around the temple was so bright when the sun hit it so perfectly that it would blind you for miles away. You, you knew where the temple was. Okay, and so they say, when will these things be? Well, Jesus answered that, but he actually answers it over in Luke chapter 21. You can turn there or you can just listen. Chapter Luke 21, 20 says, but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, you know that the desolation is near. He says, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of her depart. Let those who are in the country enter her. For these are the days of vengeance. All the things that are written may be fulfilled. But woe to you who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. For there will be great distress in the land and the wrath upon his people. Verse 24. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away to captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Now, that's confusing unless you see it's a dual prophecy. You go, what do you mean? 
This is the destruction of the temple in 70 AD by a fella by the name of Titus. His dad was Aspasian. Aspasian um, ended up being the emperor when Nero died, and he sent his son to conquer Jerusalem in 70 AD. Jesus is speaking this right before going to the cross. So you've got 30 AD to about 70 AD. How many years is that? 40. So within 48, he says, okay, so this is how you know this is, this is when these things are going to happen. He says, when you see the armies coming in to invade, and then they're going to fall by the sword. It was a, it was a brutal thing, guys. Jesus tells them that not one stone is going to be left unturned in the temple destruction. Why is that? Because you guys realize that the city was burnt, and it was burnt so, so hot that the gold melted off the temple, and it fell in between the rocks. And the looters came by, and all of the people, and they were turning stones over to get the gold. Makes sense, doesn't it? So he says, not one stone will be turned. They're looking for stuff. They're looking for gold. Hey, the temple burned. This is crazy. This is crazy. Who was it? It was the Romans in 70 AD. Now, Jesus talks about that. He said, this is what's going to happen. And uh, the second question is the one I want to unpack tonight, okay? Because they look at him and they say, okay, what will the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Now, if you're taking notes, the context of the destruction of the temple from verses 4 to 14 and the things Jesus spoke about happened during their time. But it also had a double interpretation, okay? So let me give you both interpretations moving forward. The first interpretation that they talk about, now listen, is what we call the character of this age. That's what they're saying. From, from 30 AD to 70 AD, there was wars, inter, international unrest, there was famines, there was pestilence, there was persecutions, there were false Christs, okay? Daniel actually speaks, speaks about this in Daniel 9.26. Listen to this. He says, after this period of 62 sets of seven, the anointed one will be killed, appearing to have accomplished nothing. Who's that speaking of? Jesus. And a ruler will arise whose armies will destroy the city and the temple. Then the end will come with a flood and a war and its its miseries and decreed from that time to the very end. So Daniel's kind of looking and he's saying, okay, this this is what he's talking about. Okay. But the second interpretation is it applies to us in a specific way to the end of this age. In other words, all that is characterized, the age, our world as we know it, gathers into awful intensity at the end. Am I making any sense? Beverly was telling me earlier, it's just getting worse and getting worse. And that's what I'm saying, the intensity The intensity. What is the purpose? Well, look at verse 14 because I want you to highlight it. Why? Because verse 14 has a specific reference to proclaiming the gospel that the kingdom is at hand. Now, let's unpack it. You guys ready? The Jewish mindset first. 
okay? Because I've got to give you context. And then we'll come back and we'll see how it plays in our world. Verses 4 and 5. Then Jesus answered and sent them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ and will deceive you. Now remember, who's he speaking to, Joe? To his disciples. That's what he's saying. You go, okay. Say, here's what we need to understand. After Jesus resurrected and went to the Father... Many people came after him and actually proclaimed to be the Christ. As a matter of fact, jot this down. In Acts chapter 5, verse 36, it says, For some time ago, Thudius rose up claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain, and those who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. So he stood up and he said, Hey, I'm somebody. I'm the Christ. I am the Messiah. And 400 dudes like, yeah, let's follow him. And basically, he got killed. The historian Josephus, guys, writes this. He said, the land, speaking of Israel, was overrun with magicians, seducers, and imposters who drew people after them in the multitude into the solitudes and the desert to see the signs and miracles which they promised to show by the power of God. That's what Josephus writes. So there are many people. Jesus said that was going to happen. Amen? Then he goes on, he says, and you will hear wars and rumors of wars, and you'll see, you know, that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, Jesus said, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrow. So the disciples are going, okay. Now, of course, in the context of our first interpretation, there was unrest in the Middle East. There always has been. There were wars going on. And there were rumors of wars going on. We know that there were famines, okay? We know that there were pestilences. And, of course, we learned that there were several earthquakes. We can't think that there were not earthquakes during that time, right, from, from all of this. We just know that that's what was happening. Jesus said this was going to happen. As a matter of fact, guys, there was a Jewish war of, of 1966 partially fulfilled. I'm sorry, not 1960. The Jewish war of 66 AD all the way to 73 with the Romans partially fulfilled Jesus' prophecy. He said there was going to be wars. And if you'll look at the map, you'll see that, that Titus comes in all over ready to conquer. And of course, if you go to Masada today, that was all part of the Jewish revolt. I mean, this is, this is amazing. So Jesus is speaking truth here. What about earthquakes? What about earthquakes? Well, if you go to Israel today, there's a place called Bet Shean. Bet Shean, and uh, the Romans had come and they set up this. This is where King Saul was basically hung on the mountain. And if you go there today, this is a giant mountain. You can walk up, and then you can oversee. And it was a beautiful city that the Romans built about 70, 749 A.D., so about 800 years. This giant earthquake came in and just leveled the whole city. And they didn't do anything since then. So if you go today, you see columns this big, Joe, all just laying. I mean, this was a Roman city. I mean, the roads are like this. And you can see where the shops would be on either side. And it's just like, wow. So you know that there were earthquakes in the Middle East. That's what Jesus said. Okay? And he says, and they're going to deliver you up, what, guys, to tribulation and kill you. How did the apostles die? All of them died a martyr's death except John. And we know that they persecuted John. So, so he's speaking truth. He says, but it was a glorious time to what? What are they doing? To proclaim the gospel. So that's what Jesus does. But the Jewish mindset, everybody goes, okay, I got that. So in 70 AD, they're like, man, pfft. 
this all happened. But what I want to do with the remainder of our time, guys, is I want to look at these verses and see how they apply today. Okay? As you and I, in the year 2020, which I think if we just unplug it and plug it back in, maybe it'll reset. Okay? I don't know what we need to do, but it's been a crazy one. I'm ready. I'm ready. And let's be honest, when things seem to get somewhat normal, we take our eyes off of what Jesus could be doing. We sort of go, oh, oh, I got to get back to work. I got to, I got to, you know, work on my swing, my golf game, you know, hey, let's, let's go. But, but we got to always, okay, okay, let's get back into our text, okay? So what did Jesus said? Jesus, the very first thing that jumps out of the text for you and I is he told us, do not be deceived. That's the first thing. So before Jesus comes back, what do you think the enemy wants to do? He wants to deceive us. He wants to deceive us. And you go, what does that mean? Well, if you're taking note, guys, here's what it means. It means to be led astray, to be led astray. So all of a sudden, you've got people that are following Jesus. And I love Jesus. Let's go. Let's go. All of a sudden, they're sort of over here now. They're, they're led astray. They're deceived. How do we do that? How do we do that? There's a lot of ways, guys. Think about it. Fear is the number one thing to get people to do something, whether it's fear of, of oh, my goodness, I'm going to get sick, or fear of, of what the government might do, or fear of, I mean, it's just fear. It's just fear. And even now, guys, we, we can see people being led astray. We can see that happening. So what should we do, Beverly? We need to guard our hearts not to be deceived. We should not look at our current crisis of COVID and rioting and looting and protesting We should not look at them simply from a worldly standpoint, but we need to look at them from a godly. What does God see? Because I don't want to be led astray. I don't want to be led astray. God, what else did you say? What else did you say? He said, Jesus said, okay, so many are going to come in my name. Many will come in my name, right? How many people over the years have stood up and claimed to be Jesus? There's been a bunch. Guys, if you just go and Google them, I mean, right off the bat, it's the top 10. I don't recommend you doing that because this is crazy. But there's an entire page of people who literally claim to be Jesus. The re- As a matter of fact, this is what, let, let me give you one. Let me give you one, okay? This guy was Jose Luis de Jesus Miranda. That was his name, out of Florida. Now, the reason that he is different, because he, um, basically, he was on the list. He, besides claiming to be the Messiah, he also claimed to be the Antichrist at the same time. He even had the number 666 as a symbol of the Antichrist tattooed on his arm. So this dude stood up and said, I am Jesus Christ, but I'm also the Antichrist. We are together one. Now you think, dude, 
That's crazy. But he led, he led, guys, he led so many people astray. So many people in our lives have stood up and do that. Okay, Joe. What is it going to take for people to follow the Antichrist? What is it going to take? Because he's going to stand up and say that he's the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the one. Let me tell you. When a world is broken to the place of where it's irreparable, what are people looking for? They're looking for a savior to come in and fix everything. With the, with the radical Christians, Becky, out of the way, somebody stands up and says, look, I can fix this. I can fix this. How, how can we fix this? We need one world government. We just need one government ruling the world. We need a one world currency. We don't need to be worried about what you, you, the euro, that we need one world currency. We also need a one world religion because see, that's what's dividing us. That's what's dividing people there. You're worshiping this and you say your way is right and your denomination is right. And see, that's dividing us. No, we need one world religion. But see, us as believers, we don't really, we don't follow religion. We have a relationship with Jesus. Do you you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you talk to him every day? Do you pray to him? Do you walk with him? Do you sing to him? Do you tell him you love him? Are you affectionate with the Lord? How cool is that? Why? Well, man, that's silly. No, man, tell Lord, I love you. Let me ask you this. When was the last time you told Jesus you loved him? I mean, really? I love you. You're awesome, Lord. Thank you for saving me. I don't deserve to be saved. I don't deserve anything. And yet, you look down with kindness and grace and mercy. Oh, Lord, I love you. When was the last time we told the Holy Spirit, we love you? We love you. You see, I think the enemy wants to get our eyes off of who Jesus is and who God is and onto what's going on in the world. My encouragement to you is maybe step away from a media just a little bit and, and just focus on the Lord. Just focus on the Lord. So for somebody to claim to be the Messiah, he has to come and serve all the problems. So you're, you're out of a job? Okay, let me take care of you that. You don't have to worry about that again. Listen, just, just take this mark. It's just, it's just an identification, and you'll be fine. You'll be able to eat. Listen, we'll, we'll put money in your account. You don't have to worry about it. Just And, and again, people are going to go, man, what a savior. But if you read the book of Revelation, this Antichrist is going to be able to do miracles too. That's why we don't follow after miracles. If somebody comes in here and does miracles, we don't follow, we follow the word of God. From Genesis to Revelation. Oh, yeah, Ben, you got to go see this guy. He's doing miracles, man. Yeah, so does the Antichrist. Oh, stay on the word of God. Stay in the word of God. Jesus told us, guys, that, that we would hear wars and rumors of wars. Come on. You go, Ben, that's Captain Obvious, man. But he tells us, guys, he says, see that you're not troubled because these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Okay, so we have seen our fair share of wars, have we not, Joe? Throughout the years. 
We have, we have seen, but, but when you think of wars, tell me what you think of. Foreign wars. Okay, we think of foreign wars. Okay, well, we're going to war against Kuwait or we're, we're, we're going to war against Iran or Iraq to, to help Kuwait. We're just, it's on foreign. So all soldiers are, and, and that's how I think. I think foreign. I think, okay. And he says, man, there's going to be wars. But he says, listen, the end is, the end is not yet. The end is not yet. He says, these things are going to come to pass. But here's what I thought. Think about this with me, okay? This is just my opinion. I'm going to move away from the pulpit. I'm going to stand right here because it's just my opinion. What if wars, guys, what if they're... What if the wars we see are internal wars of struggle? Internal wars. Wars of depression. Wars of feeling inadequate, like Nathalie told me the other day. What if it's the war that, you, that somebody told you you are not essential? When all this went down, you're not essential. You just go home. You're not essential. Oh, but you're essential. You need to get... And I mean, it's crazy, right? What if that was an internal war? What if that was an internal struggle? Again, my opinion, okay? Because what happens, help me out here, when there's an internal war... Oftentimes, it births into a civil war because we start fighting each other. And what if Jesus meant, hey, I know what he meant, telling the disciples, applicational? What if there's a, what if there's, what if he said, hey, man, when you see these wars, when you see these things going on, he says, the end is not yet, but it's going to get intense. It's going to get intense. Dude, I didn't even think about that. Well, I know. Let's just ponder it. Let's ponder it. Again, for those of you watching, it's just my opinion, okay? It's, it's not the word of God. My opinion. What if? What if? Just something to think about. Because Jesus said, in the word of God, you will hear wars and rumors of wars. I think of foreign, and so maybe... I read an article today on the USA Today, Joe, and it said this. The mayor and governor say... Outside agitators are hijacking peaceful protests over the death of George Floyd and literally fanning the flames of destruction. And experts say that they are likely to get worse in Minneapolis and other cities. Similar peaceful protests are turning violent like Los Angeles, Louisville, Kentucky, Des Moines, Iowa, Detroit, Atlanta, and Washington, D.C. Can I just say this to you? We're at war, but we're at war with each other. Peaceful pro- they're, they're, This is what USA Today wrote. Peaceful protests are now being agitated to turn into, I mean, isn't that war? So what happens when you look at the news and you get your Twitter feed or, or Instagram or Facebook and you see these things? I don't want it to cause depression or anxiety. What I want it to do is I want it to cause hope in the fact that, look up. This is what Jesus said was going to go down. Here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line. You ready? I'm all for protesting. We, we have to serve, and we have to do what's right. Amen? You know what I protest? I'm going to protest how many millions of babies we kill each year through abortion. I protest that. They don't have a voice. But I'll tell you what. Protesting, I mean, here's the bottom line. 
Only Jesus can change a heart. Only Jesus can change a heart. And so we see that we're going to see all of this, all of this. So, Ben, are you saying that now that we see now that we see COVID and now that we see wars and maybe there's a civil war, that this is it? No, no, no. Jesus said, listen, this is not a sign of the end, okay? Because you would go, Ben, I would beg to differ. There's always been wars, right? There's always been wars. See, wars themselves don't announce the end, but they're a sign that we're getting close. Why? Look at verse 7. You with me, Joe? For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. This is what Jesus said, okay? And there will be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. Now, here's what jumped out at me when I read this. You go, what's that? The word nation there in the Greek is actually the, the Greek word ethos. And if it's translated out, it's where we get race. So Jesus said, race will rise against race. That's what he's saying. Race will rise against race. Country, kingdom against kingdom. You go, Ben, did this happen? As a matter of fact, at Caesarea, the Jews and the Syrians contended about the right of the city. Check this out. And 20,000 Jews were slain. So you had the Syrians come up, you had the Jewish nation, and there were nation, kingdom, race. And this is so real in our day. In our day. I'm not sure where you all stand. Some people say, man, listen, we need to be colorblind. And then another person will say, no, 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 we don't need to be colorblind. We need just to respect how other people live and how they were brought up. So I don't know where people stand, but I do know this. I know what the word of God says. The word of God says we need to be careful because this is who we are apart from him. We're going to rise up in your color and this and that and the other. Well, Pastor Ben, what they did to George Floyd, that was injustice. Exactly. Yeah, it was wrong. Definitely. Every life matters. You were created in the Imago Dei. You were created with the image of God. And to take a life, life matters. All lives matter. This is why, listen, church, this is why we must not take sin lightly. Because sin, back in Genesis 3, when, when Adam and Eve sinned, it caused such a destruction and such a rumble. But here's a beauty. Alex, he put you here during this time to use you. So out of all the millions of years you could have been born, all the, all the thousands of years, he put you here in 2020 as a pastor. I mean... Not only is it exciting, but it's also scary because this is what God says. God says, listen, listen, Joe, you're going to see this. Beverly and, and all of you watching. But think about this. If you talk to Beverly, Beverly probably thinks in all of her lifetime, this is probably the craziest the world has ever been. 
Right, Beverly? And you've seen some crazy stuff. Gas prices in the 70s that were through the roof. I mean, all of this, but it's nothing. But for such a time as this, he said, I'm going to have Becky and Haas be my servants to serve Jesus, to be a light. What do you think the word pestilence means? If you look it up, it's actually global pandemic. Okay? I mean, you go, wow, we're living that. Yeah. But I still, I still profess to think that fear fast, travels faster than the virus. But we know that it's happening. We know what Jesus said. Jesus said this is what's going to happen. Now, again, if you're watching, context is he's speaking to the Jews. I'm just pulling some application because this is what I see in our world. I know Jesus, didn't, he, he was speaking to the Jewish. He's speaking to his disciples. This is what you're going to see. If you go back, do a comprehensive study from 30 AD to 70 AD, you will see all of this. You'll see everything that Jesus spoke about. But I also know, whoa, whoa. Listen, we've had pandemics before, kind of, but never a global. It's never been the whole world. And so when you think about, like, listen, I want out of here, where are you going to go? Well, I'm going to go to Israel. Well, it's there too. Oh. Well, I'm going to go to Switzerland. Well, it's there too. Well, I'm going to go, where, where, where? Mexico. Can't go to Canada. I mean, do you guys understand? It's all over. And so Jesus said there's going to be famines and there's going to be pestilences. And we see these signs of the world today. But it's indicating that the end is near. However, we must admit that many of these signs have always been here. But here's what I want you to see. We see that they're getting more intense. And we know that the Lord is near. Let me pull out one more and then we'll, we'll close, okay? He says, and they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my namesake. Now, that hasn't happened yet, okay? They have not said, Alex, you're a Christian. Yes, sir. Boom. Let's go. You're, you're going to jail. That hasn't happened. He told the, that's how I know he's speaking to the disciples, okay? But he says, many will be offended and betray one another and hate one another And he says, many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because of lawlessness, and that just jumped out at me. And I thought, what is lawlessness? You know what lawlessness is, guys? It's a state of disorder to disregard the law. In other words, the law doesn't apply to me. This is what I'm going to do. And it said, listen, it said, and because of this, lawlessness will abound and the love of many will grow cold. Now, let me tell you this. I, I preached a message here a while back, said two wrongs don't make a right. Okay? They raped Dana, Dinah, right? And then the boys went and they tried to, two wrongs don't make a right. For us to be appalled at what they did to this, this African-American man and held him down for eight minutes, we should be outraged. But we should not go and hurt somebody's business because of it. That's not love. 
Here's a hardworking man that had nothing to do with that. A hard a business, whatever it might be. And yeah. Yeah. I can see what Jesus said. The love of many will grow cold. One commentator wrote this, that those who once were true to each other will betray each other. And, of course, he goes on to suggest that marriages, homes, nations will be torn asunder because of the lack of loyalty. Lawless will abound, he uses that word, for even law enforcement agencies will not be able to keep the peace. You go, Ben, what should we do? This is pretty heavy stuff, man. Well, here's our hope. Here's our hope. You ready? Let me, let, me, let me give you some hope. Let me give you some peace. Let me give you some comfort. In Luke chapter 21, guys, verse 20, it says, when you see these things begin to happen, look up, lift your heads, because your redemption draws near. That's what we got to do. Okay? So as we close, here's what I want to do. I just wanted to share my heart with you because we see the world going and and it's going to get even more intense, guys. It's going to get more intense. I hope this doesn't happen, but I heard that there's another wave of something coming in the fall. And I'm just going, But I know this is what Jesus said. So here's my encouragement to you. Listen, you know what's going to happen. You know the order of events. You know what the comfort is. Man, listen, pretty soon, pretty soon we're going to be home. I don't want to hang on to the world anymore. I don't want to hang on to, to I, I, I want to I just, here's what I want to do. You ready, Joe? While I'm on earth... I want to love, I want to laugh, I want to enjoy life. I want to hug a little bit longer. I, I, I need to do these things. But I also need to know that uh, the love of my life, the love of my life, Jesus, is coming back for me. That's that's my hope. That's my hope. And I don't want to think about what what the world will be like. I I just want to I I here's what I want to do. For me to live is Christ. I'm going to tell people all about Jesus. I'm going to tell you all about Jesus. Listen, he's the best thing ever. He's the best. Listen, you. He's the best. He loves you so much. And he died for you and he opened up his arms and he says, man, I just love you. I just love you so much. And he wants to reconcile you to heaven and he's going to spend eternity with him and it's going to be glorious. I'm telling you. For me to live as Christ. To warn you. To warn you, man, these things are going to get intense, man. Hang on. Have your hope in Christ. 
to die, I win. I win. I win. Father, we thank you for your word, the truth in your word. We thank you for Matthew 24. Lord, it, I, I barely scratched the surface. I mean, it's so deep. But my heart was simply to just share what in the world is going on. And so, Lord, that June the 3rd, 2020, we look forward to your great return. But if you choose, oh, Lord, to keep us here just a little bit longer, God, put your spirit in all of us so that we proclaim the gospel message, the good news, because that's what verse 14 says, Lord. Verse 14 says we have a unique, opportune time to share Jesus. When our neighbors come, Lord, and say, what in the world is going on? We can say, I've got, a good, I've got some good news for you. When you're standing in line ready to check out, Lord, and somebody says, do you see the world events? What an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Oh, Holy Spirit, fill us so we bring glory to your name. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.